Thanks, Kev. Okay, I actually feel like I won the Revelation Lottery because today is actually the letter to the church in Philadelphia. So firstly, I can pronounce Philadelphia. Secondly, there's no complaint and no correction in this letter, so like some of the others. And thirdly, this um, letter actually reminds me of like a motivational speech from a coach. It's very much, well done, you're doing good. I know you're tired. I know that you feel like you've come to the end of yourself, but you that you have nothing left, but you can do it. Keep going. The finish line is just ahead. Your reward is coming. Keep going. So it's very much a letter from a motivational coach. Um, it also paints a beautiful picture of um, who Jesus is. So let's read it. I'm reading out of um, the message version. But it says, To Philadelphia. Right. Write this to Philadelphia, to the angel of the church, the holy, the true, David's key in his hand, opening doors no one can lock, locking doors no one can, can open, speaks. Jesus speaks. I see what you've done, now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength, I know that. You use what you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me when times were rough. And watch as I take those who call themselves true believers but are nothing of the kind, pretenders whose true membership is in the club of Satan. Watch as I strip off their pretensions and they're forced to acknowledge it's you that I've loved. Because you've kept my word in passionate patience. Don't you love that? I'm mostly passionately impatient. So passionate patience. I'll keep you safe in time of testing. That will be here soon and all over the earth every man woman and child put to the test i'm on my way i'll be there soon keep a tight grip on what you have so no one distracts you and steals your crown i'll make each conqueror pillar in the sanctuary of my god a permanent position of honor then i'll write write names on you the pillars the name of my god the name of god's city the new jerusalem coming down out of heaven and my new name are your ears awake listen Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. I'm on my way, I'll be here soon. Don't you just love that? You know, Jesus isn't sitting back in heaven um, waiting for God to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, you're up, son. He's actually making his way, he's on his way, he's actively coming towards us now and he'll be here soon. Um, let me give you a little bit of background on Philadelphia, on the ancient church of Philadelphia. It's not the Philadelphia we're all thinking about in the States where they have the Eagles and Philadelphia cheese and Philadelphia cheesesteaks and all those things that we're familiar with. It's the ancient city of Philadelphia and it is what would now be um, found in modern day Turkey. Um, it was kind of known as the open door city. It had no natural defences against attack and it was like a major trade route. So there would be masses of people in and out of the city all the time and it was pretty affluent. Um, it was actually built as a mission city to expand Greek culture and language to the area. Um, and the name Philadelphia actually means brotherly love or one who loves his brother. It was built to bring Greek culture um, to the area and because of that it was kind of known as Little Athens because it's Greek temples and it's uh, like it's temples and idols and it's public buildings were magnificent um, and, and but the, the thing was is that the area was actually troubled with earthquakes um, and 50 years or more just before Revelation was written uh, the area had been destroyed by a massive quake all those magnificent 
um, public buildings and temples crashing, crumbling down. So when it was rebuilt, um, the city was built for earthquakes and the pillars that were built to actually hold up those magnificent buildings were actually uh, five by five metres wide. They were huge and they were built to be immovable, unshakable pillars that would not crash down. And it's within this context we see early Christianity in Philadelphia and the Church of Philadelphia established. Um, It's in this context we actually see Jesus open a door for this church to break new ground. And he promises them that if they keep going, they'll be faithful, immovable pillars in God's temple if they could keep going and keep his word. See, the format that we've been looking at, there we go. This is what the format every week has been when we've looked at every letter. Um, But the format for Philadelphia is different. It has Jesus and it has commendation and then it skips complaint and correction and goes straight to promise. So it is a little bit different. Um, Let's find out what it says about Jesus. It says, Write this to Philadelphia, to the angel of the church, the holy, the true, David's key in his hand, opening doors no one can lock, locking doors no one can open, speaks. Holy, true. Holy one, true. He's actually stating his status as God, um, hence his authority. You know, he is the steward over God's household. And he actually holds the master key. And we see in Isaiah 22, it says, I'll give him the key to the Davidic heritage. He'll have the run of the place. Open any door and keep it open. Lock any door and keep it locked. I'll pound him like a nail into a solid wall. He'll secure the Davidic tradition. Everything will hang on him. Not only the fate of the Davidic descendants, but also the detailed daily operations of the house, including cups and cutlery. Don't you love that? Right down to the finer detail. Everything is Jesus. He holds it all in his hand. He has authority over everything. He's been given the master key. And he opens doors that can't be closed. And he closes doors that can't be open. He holds the key. So what we find out about Jesus is that everything is his. He has total authority over everything. He holds it all together. And then the commendation... Yes, I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength, I know that. You use what you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me when times were rough. Because you kept my word in passionate patience, I'll keep you safe in time of testing. That will be here soon. And all over the earth, every man, woman and child put to the test. I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. Keep a tight grip on what you have so no one distracts you and steals your crown. The commendation is very much, I know you have little strength, you've kept my word and haven't denied me, you have kept my command to endure patiently, hold on to what you have, keep going and don't let anyone steal your crown. That's basically the commendation. You see, Jesus sees the church of Philadelphia, they have little strength, are tired and yet they haven't given in. And they haven't denied Jesus. And this implies that they've been suffering persecution, whether that's um, ongoing persecution that's been going on for a while or or previously, they have experienced persecution. And that could have been from both Roman and Jewish citizens of Philadelphia. Um, Life is tough. And yet Jesus has actually opened a door for them. Um, And here's the thing. 
This, this commendation is actually asking them to stand firm in their faith, but it's also asking them to step forward. It's, it, Jesus is actually calling them to step forward into the open door and to actually do what he's called them to do, to break new ground, to make advances in his kingdom, to take the good news into uncharted territory, to be his hands and feet in the community that they've been placed, to actively live out love in the city named Brotherly Love. You know, they are to keep a tight grip. We know that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And here's the thing, the enemy does come to kill, steal and destroy, particularly if we get distracted or give in. You know, in James, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will re- afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So here's the bottom line. Don't let distractions steal your crown. You know, what were the Philadelphians supposed to keep a tight grip on? They're supposed to keep a tight grip on the open door, their mission. The little strength that they have, because they still have some, and the prom- the, uh, God's word and the promises yet to come. You know, I truly believe that this is actually a word for us here at both Tambi and Bensville. I really do. You know, Jesus has opened a door for us as Coast Community. Um, he, and he's actually urging us to go through it, to make advances in his name, to bring the good news, to be his hands and feet, to chart new, ter- new territory here at Tumby and at Bensville in the communities that he's actually placed us. No matter our age, our life stage, um, our circumstances and situations, our challenges, he's actually encouraging us to stand firm and step forward into all he has for us. He's urging us to stay focused, stay on task, to be steadfast in what he actually calls us to do, but most importantly in who he calls us to be. He's asking us to keep a tight grip. Don't let distractions steal your crown. Um, you know, we may at times feel tired. We may feel like we ha- have little strength. You know, as the end of the year rapidly approaches, I'm sure many of us are tired. Um, we, we, may, um, we may feel under-resourced. We may feel like our finances are stressed. We actually, you know, as, uh, we may feel like as a church we, we lack volunteers. We lack people to do stuff. I know in kids' ministry we lack volunteers. You know, individually life may be really tough. You may be pulled in many directions or you just might have many options that come your way. All these, all these things... All these distractions can actually steal our focus on, on of what God's actually called us to do. If we keep focused, if we stand firm and if we step forward, you know, what God promises us is that we'll be um, unshakable, immovable, firm pillars in the communities that he's placed us. Jesus has opened a door which no one can close. We as a church just need to step through it. Just like the church in Philadelphia, the enemy comes to, to steal, kill and destroy. He wants us distracted. He wants us stressed. He wants us overwhelmed. And he wants us to lose our focus. Don't let distractions steal your crown. I think I've told this story before, but I came to Coast Community when I was 19 because the young adult ministry at Coast Community was like, 
I've never seen anything like it. It was awesome. Um, my 20s were awesome. I loved it. Um, I had a particular group of friends who, um, you know, are, are lifelong friends and they, they were awesome. We, we served together. We did connect group together. We went on young adults camp together. Um, they spurred me on in my faith more than anybody else has ever done and really helped me become who I am today because of the way that they actually, the way that we did life together in my 20s. Um, but about two years ago, we, we all got together and had dinner. And what was interesting at this dinner was that I actually discovered that I was the only one that was actively serving Jesus and seeking what he had for my life. Out of all of those women that I had done life with, um, that encouraged me, that helped, helped me to learn what it was to serve Jesus, um, I was the only one that was doing that. And when, they, when I, th- I think these girls thought about it, there was nowhere along their journey that they could pinpoint that, hey, they'd actually started to make decisions that were not what Jesus would have for them. It was just a gradual um, thing that happened where distractions and opportunities came their way. Whether it was career, whether they focused on their money, whether they focused on sporting opportunities, whether it was family or just relationship choices that they had made, somewhere along the way that they'd shifted their focus and now they were completely off track. In, in fact, I actually don't know if they knew where the track was or whether they even wanted to get back on it. And it made me so sad to think that this group of women who really helped me to become who I am um, had all walked away from Jesus. Don't let distractions steal your crown. It's so easy to do. It's just little decisions time and time again that can move you off track, that can move your focus. You see, life isn't a sprint. It's a marathon, an endurance sport. And it actually takes um, courage and intent to keep going and to stand firm and not get distracted. Living a victorious life doesn't just happen by chance. You need intent passionate patience, daily intentional choices and decisions, that, and it requires focus and discipline. In 1 Corinthians, it says, Don't you realise that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an inter- eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Run to win. You know, life is not um, a one-time overcoming thing. It's an overcoming, then overcoming, then overcoming again and again. It's passionate patience. So, it's passionate patience. You know, life is not a sprint, but I'm a netballer. I love short, fast. If I, I can't play netball at the moment, but if I could actually get back to playing netball, I don't even like normal seven-a-side netball. I like five-a-side because it's even faster. So I love a sprint, but life is not a sprint. It's an endurance sport. And the opposite of, of a sprint is probably, for me, cross-country 
um, running. I absolutely hate long distance running. Can't stand it. In high school, um, I would be so bored. I'd like It was the most boringest thing that we could do in PE was cross country running. Uh, in fact, what we would do uh, is at Erin, I went to Erin High. Um, I don't know if anyone else, Kev went to Erin High. Uh, oh, you went to Erin High. There you go. Well, for cross country running, it actually required uh, you to do, I found out this morning, I thought it was two laps, but there was someone that I did school with that said, no, Nick, it's actually three. But I must have just blocked the third thing out of my brain because it was so bad. Um, but you'd run uh, down the concrete and around the school and then you'd actually get to the bush uh, and you'd run through the bush and back down to the concrete and you would do this three times. Uh, the teacher would stand in one particular spot, the PE teacher, and what we discovered that is if you run down and around, you get to the building, after that she can't see you. So we would all stop and walk and chat, walk and chat through the bush, wait till she could see us again, run, then stop and walk and chat, walk and chat. And that's what we would do. Um, <laughs> and one, one week she was not there and we had a substitute teacher. And uh, so we began our cross-country running because you do this for weeks and weeks. And um, we, we ran, we got to the bush, we stopped, pulled up a, lo a log, sat there and had a really, really long chat, waited until we were lapped by the people that took cross-country seriously. And then, when they had lapped us twice, then we would run out and he would mark down our time. And I remember him saying, oh, good, good time today, ladies. I'm like, yeah. Anyway, the following week, the PE teacher got there, a normal one got there. And I can't remember her name, but her image is burned into my brain. Because she obviously, we thought we were so smart. Our 14-year-old brains thought that we had this all worked out. But she obviously looked at our two times and realised that something was not adding up. So she said, guess what today, girls? I'm going to run behind you. <laughs> and she ran behind us the whole three laps. I hate cross-country running. I hate long distance. It's just not me. Give me a sprint any day. And yet, God actually calls us to be passionately patient. Life isn't a sprint. There's no shortcuts. There's no cheating. It's an endurance sport. You know, run to win. Living a victorious life, being an overcomer is an endurance sport, passionate patience. So here's my question. What do you need to do to get through, to keep going? How do we set ourselves and therefore Coast Community up for a win? How do we not get distracted? How do we continue to move forward? How do we not let the enemy steal our crown? In Hebrews, it says... Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily, easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because, the, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. And 2 Corinthians 
says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So how do we persist? How how do we stand firm and step out? How do we overcome? We do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus and focusing on what is unseen, what is eternal. You know, when when I thought about this, and I thought about our discipleship strategy here at Coast Community, you know, our discipleship strategy strategy is one way that actually helps us to stand firm and step out. It's a way that helps us to focus on Jesus and to be intentional because really it's all about intent. It's, it's a way that we just don't let the enemy steal our crown. It's, the way, it's a way that we don't get let distractions get on our way. You see, if we have a look at it, down in the middle there's the big taproot, which is our spiritual life. If we actually stay connected to Jesus daily, if we're in his word, if we're talking to him and listening to him, you know, that's number one in actually how we stand firm. And the two roots that go up beside us, beside it is spiritual accountability and spiritual friendship. We need other people to encourage us, to champion us, to say, hey, you're doing good, keep going, don't give up. We need other people that will say, hey, those decisions you're making right now probably aren't the best ones that you could do. I don't think that is in line with how Jesus lives. We need people to keep us um, to account and we need people to encourage us. You know, what happens under the ground is essential for us to actually stand firm. But here's the other thing, the body of Christ. You know, the trunk is also how we stand firm. We need each other. You know, where is it? Yeah, that's it. So, so let us do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word Let's see how inventive we can be by be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but in sp- but spurring each other on, sp- especially as the big day approaches. Now, here's the thing: when we meet together, this time, this hour or so that we meet together helps us to fix our eyes on Jesus. It actually helps us to focus on what is unseen. And it encourages us to then go, you know what, this week I can do this. I can do whatever situation, whatever stresses in our life, whatever distractions are coming our way. When we meet together, we're encouraged and we refocus on Jesus and we, we refocus on the unseen. It gives us the tools to actually go out and do um, the week following Jesus well. The other thing is, is there we go, is the branches. So we have the trunk, we have the roots, and we have the trunk, which actually help us to stand firm. But the branches actually give us opportunity to step out and to step forward. These are ways that we can contribute to the kingdom of God. These are ways that we can contribute to to who we are here at at Tumby and Bensville, and it's a way that we can make a difference in the community that God has given us. The branches are opportunities for us to use our gifts, talents, abilities, the things that God has given us, our resource, our finance, in ways that we can actually spur his kingdom on. Our discipleship strategy is really a great, great way for us to stand firm and step out. 
And I think if we can actually understand that we're all in this together, if we can grasp that we actually need each other, um, it is so much easier to do life, to stand firm when things come our way and knock us around a bit, if we actually know that we're all in this together. So I encourage you, encourage you um, to spend time with Jesus, have spiritual friends, have someone that keeps you accountable, engage in the body of Christ weekly and find ways to contribute um, and use what God's given you. It's so much easier to stand firm and keep going when life gets hard. This is how you live victoriously. Uh, so, so far we've done Jesus. We've discovered that Jesus is the one that holds it all together. He has the master key. It's all his and he has opened a door. Yeah, and then we've actually looked at the accommodation, the accommodation which is well done. You're doing good. Keep going. Hold tightly to what you have and don't let anyone steal your crown. And then there's the promise. See, here's the thing. Here's the promise. It says, I'll make each conqueror a pillar in the sanctuary of my God, a permanent position of honour. Then I'll write names on you, the pillars, the name of my God, the name of God's city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and my new name. I'll make you a pillar in the temple of God. You know, pillars are a big deal. I didn't really realise this until I was kind of preparing this sermon. Aesthetically and architecturally, um, and I'm sure, Matt, you can correct me later if I'm wrong, um, but architecturally, particularly in that time, they were a really big deal. Um, they signified wealth. Okay, Not only were they structural, but they signified wealth and they signified status and, and a bunch of other stuff. So if you saw a public building or a building that was uh, owned by the emperor, it would be quite grand because of the many, many pillars it would have um, and it would be quite important. Um, the, the public buildings and emperor's buildings were filled with them. But here's the thing, they actually hold everything together. Structurally, they hold the weight. Everything actually rests on them. So what's interesting is that those who overcome, who keep faithfully going, who conquer, who keep his word, are made into pillars. And they're not just any pillars. They're pillars that God actually writes on them. Jesus writes God's name on them. He writes the name of the new city, the, the new Jerusalem on them, and he writes his own new name on them. And when he's doing that, he's actually claiming you. You belong. You have a steadfast, immovable, unshakable place with him. By writing on you the name of God, the name of the new Jerusalem, his own new name, Jesus is claiming you as his own. It's a sign of belonging. See, the reward for overcoming, for persisting, is the promise of being pillars in God's eternal temple. In following Jesus, there are no shortcuts, none. It's not a quick sprint. It's a lifelong journey. It's a process. It's he who overcomes and overcomes again and again and then again. This is living a victorious life. Your faithfulness in your trials and temptations your faithfulness in avoiding distractions, that's what makes you a pillar and a pillar that becomes stronger and stronger. A pillar that also can strengthen, bear weight and support others. If you persist, 
and keep going, you become a useful tool for God and his kingdom. So don't let distractions... Oh, yeah, we'll put it there. Don't let distractions steal your crown. I don't know about you. I don't know if you're feeling tired, stressed, distracted. I don't know if you feel like you've pulled out of the race, that you can't see the finish line. Um, I don't know what's going on with you, but I do know that this is encouragement, an encouraging letter from Jesus. And he says, keep going, step forward. You know, and my encouragement to you is that no matter what's going on in your life, don't get distracted. To keep going, to keep stepping forward, to surround yourselves with people that you can lean on, that that can help you be intentional about your relationship with Jesus, that can keep you to account and find ways that you can contribute. Choose not to get distracted and press on. Hold tightly to what you have. You know, Jesus is on his way. He'll be here soon. Stand firm and step forward. Don't let distractions steal your crown. Timothy, 2 Timothy says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. Imagine being able to say that at the end of your life. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have remained faithful. Actually, it would be awesome on a tombstone. Yeah? I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've remained faithful. You know, living a victorious life is standing firm, remaining focused, not giving up, while continuing to step forward into whatever God has for us, both individually and as Coast Community. You know, keep focused. Don't let distractions steal your crown. Eyes on Jesus, for he says, I'm on my way. I'll be here soon. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're a good God, a God who knows us, a God who's opened a door for us as Coast Community, a God who absolutely has a plan and purpose for each and every one of us, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for all of us that we won't let distractions get in our way, that you'll open our eyes to the things that are unseen for each and every one of us, and that as a church we can become pillars in this community that are immovable, unshakable, and ones that just hold the weight, Lord. I thank you that you um, you promise that you're with us and that you go before us and all we have to do is hold on tight to what we have, Lord. Lord, I pray that um, for each and every person here, you know, regardless of what's going on, Lord Jesus, that they'll be able to see you, that they'll fix their eyes on you and that, um, at the, yeah... Lord, that you'll just bless them, that we as a church will be a blessing to you. In your name, amen.